0: Hey, Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Hey, Mitch.
1: Hey, Mitch. (laughs) (laughs) I'm down here on the convention floor of Yumacon 2019 with comedian and artist Kid Ever. Interviewed you before at Blazing Saddle uh, Comic Con in San Luis. Now you're here at YumaCon. Differences? I mean, it's the same area.
0: Yeah, I mean, we are literally in the same of, county. <laughs> yeah, you know, the same. A lot of the same people are here, waiting to see if a couple more come because I was hoping to see some people again. I always like to make friends at the conventions that I go to, so you know, stay in touch with a few people here and there. And.
1: Yeah, that's a good. That's a good
0: question. Like, how how many conventions do you do in a year? You know, because comedy has taken over so much, I usually only do the conventions if I can blend the comedy and art together Okay. so I'm only doing now because I am still doing some other art projects that haven't been released yet And so when I release those, I'll be able to do more conventions, even if I don't have the comedy involved, because I'll have more product that I can sell. Um, But um, it's collaborations with other people. So when those hit, I might do some just comic and art stuff without the comedy involved. But um, because I've been doing so much comedy, and I've done little comedy tours and stuff, because things are really exciting lately, (laughs) and I'm getting a lot more opportunities than I deserve. Um, I'm only doing probably maybe half a dozen or so in a year. I'm, just, I'm trying to stay fairly local, make sure that my overhead stays low and that I'm kind of building everything in this area. You know, and then that'll give me an opportunity to expand a little. You know. So at the last convention that uh, we talked, you you had brought a
1: few people with you to do the shows, and this this one you're bringing you brought a few people to do your show with you again. Yeah. Outside of that, do you usually develop a, a community within con vendors or
0: con guests and stuff like that? And- we tend to see each other at exactly, the same ones because yeah. I've been so even before I started comedy, I was doing cons with my art. My I, uh, if you see me at some of the longer ones, I actually do a live painting demo over the weekend, and I raffle off the painting, mm-hmm. and so that's been fun. But um, and you, a lot of the people that are uh, in the state or in neighboring states. You'll see them at a lot of the smaller conventions every time you go. Mm-hmm. And then there are some people that are a little bit bigger names, but you'll still see them at, you know, you'll see them in El Paso and Albuquerque and Phoenix or whatever. So, I mean, most of us know at least half of everybody else that we run into right. eventually anyway. So is it
1: usually like a, a big, uh, you know reunion or is it more of a just like I talk to you all all time online anyway? It's, it's
0: kind of in between because it's, especially if it's been a while, there were some periods where I hadn't done very many. So when I got back out and started doing some again it would, people, you know, I'd see people like, oh hey, how are you? You know, but if we just saw each other a month ago and another one it's, there's not that much excitement to go on but it's it is kind of funny so the uh, the owner of Surprise Comics is here and then his store is literally I think exactly four miles from my house like straight down the road like same same road and everything so I was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> it's like it's my hometown. Oh wow, that's awesome. Yeah. But so, it's it's been it's been fun though because like sure awesome things bad. always happen. Like today. We got in last night, we were tired, we just kinda hung out and went to bed. Today I woke up, I was the only one that went to breakfast. I was the only one that was up early and not being lazy. <laughs> went to breakfast and at the adjacent restaurant that the hotel uses as their as their restaurant you know, own restaurant, yeah. I guess. Um, i just didn't want to take up much space so i just sat up at the bar and was just talking to the ladies that were having mimosas turns out the one that i was sitting next to she was like oh yeah my little brother kind of little brother not real family you know but they're basically family She's like yeah he does comedy i was like okay everybody knows somebody and she's like yeah but now he's in el paso because he's in the military and i stopped and i said say aaron and she goes you know him <laughs> because I met him in El Paso. Wow, really? <laughs>
1: and the Is it Aaron Yankowski? Yankowski yeah. It's a great- I went to I went to college
0: or I went to grade school with him that's funny I've had him on the podcast yeah that's incredible it's just it's a small world it doesn't matter where I go I will run into somebody who knows somebody else that we know yeah you know, we all have same mutual acquaintances which is crazy yeah like <laughs> because if you talk to somebody enough they'll probably know somebody that you do if you traveled yeah. enough and, and done yeah. whether it's comic stuff or comedy or both yeah you're definitely both, moving around you know. in the same
1: circles and stuff like that and you so. do
0: well even outside of the same circles i mean the ladies having mimosas were part of the same circle but that's they were fair. just there but they you know and uh it's just it's kind of awesome that w- the more you do it the more you realize you're like everybody knows somebody that we know like they're you know when it used to be the six degrees of kevin bacon and six degrees of separation and everything i just feel like i have only like two degrees of separation with everybody now it makes sense because i feel like everywhere i go yeah, so i meet somebody. somebody that's like We'll chat for a little bit. They'll be like, "Wait, I know that person." <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, okay.
1: So then, like, when you're up there on stage, I mean, what what is it? What does your material
0: cover? Like, what areas it, of comedy are you? Yeah. It really depends because I base it on what the show is. Okay. Um, I have a lot of nerdy material. I I always try to introduce a little new nerdy material if I do the conventions, Um, but I have to be careful. So I do tend to stick with a lot of the stuff that's safe if they want a G-rated one. Like you're doing tonight. Yeah. So today is all G-rated, family-friendly. I mean, it's clean enough it could be on Sesame Street. You know, That's that's what we aim for if that's what they ask for. Um, I've done a couple of nerdy shows that are not clean. And so I have some additional stuff or a little bit more... I'm not sure how to say it. Uh, a little more development in some of the jokes that has another side to it other than the clean stuff Um, and then of course if I do a club or a bar or whatever unless they have any special requests we just do whatever So, um, there was a period where I was doing a lot of clean because I was headlining my first clean shows so I did a three month clean comedy challenge to prep for that so all my club shows were all G-rated, too. Wow. And How that, that go was, over? Oh, it, went, it actually went over well, because I was awesome. surprised that I found out that a lot of the clean stuff that I was keeping out of bars, because I didn't think they'd be interested, a lot of it went over fine. It played. And it went over even better than some of the, you know, sex and, and language and stuff. And, uh And so I was surprised, because I was like, you know what? I can use this in more than just the G rated shows I can still fit some of this in depending on the crowd they'll enjoy it so I was surprised in a good way though that's good but I mean I do I do some of the bars and clubs and stuff where I have you know definitely R rated
1: material but
0: you know you have to be if you're if you're gonna be professional about it then you know to differentiate you know if you're not gonna do clean comedy then don't offer don't ask for the job and if you only do clean comedy well if a bar's okay with that you can still get the job at the bar you know, some people can do both, some only can do one or the other. So it's just whatever whatever we talk about is really dependent upon you know, what we're being hired to do. Okay. here, it's gonna be mostly nerdy stuff, all family friendly. Some places they say nerdy stuff but it's all 18 and up. What are you doing this? So we don't so have to worry about it. Yeah.
1: So I know that most, well, uh, not most of the time, but you, you do mix your comics and your comedy when you're on the road and stuff like that. But yeah. like you were saying, if you do a show at a, at a convention, it's usually a little bit more G rated. On the road in general, is it different for being on the road for a convention or being on the road for comedy, like going around to different uh, bars and stuff like that? Like you're just road life.
0: You mean road life if I'm just doing comedy versus doing comedy and cons? Yeah. I mean, the only big difference for me is if I'm doing a con and I'm in part of the packages that I get to sell my art and everything, um, I I have a lot more space taken up with all my (laughs) merchandise and everything. Um, If we are just driving out somewhere and doing a show and then going back, or spending the night and then going back, I mean, we can just hop in the car and do whatever, there's not as much prep and planning that goes into it Mm -hmm. but, like for instance, today I knew who my comics were that I was bringing everything was fine, Um, but then I had to start getting everything ready to pack into the car Thursday, then we got everything loaded up, combined everybody's car loads yesterday and then drove out, set up last night, and then today we're having to coordinate because she's got the panel then she's doing some stuff with the masquerade and uh you know of course Kara already did her panel right um but then we're doing the intermission of the masquerade and then our show follows it so we have to be able to coordinate everybody throughout the day to make sure her boots covered mine's covered or we pack it up or whatever so um it's a it's a little bit more of a rush job if you're doing comedy and art because i mean i've done it plenty of times where i've just sold my art right. and you're just sitting there all day you don't have to run around or anything but if you're doing both there's a little more running involved and that's part of why it's nice when uh, if the convention is going to cover you know your booth and possibly your expenses as well and you know the ones that the ones that pay for you to come out and everything it helps because if you know that being part of the programming schedule is going to make it a little harder to be able to meet people and see if they want to buy any merchandise and stuff. You know, it's it makes the trip more worth it if you know we're being paid to visit or yeah. we're being our travels covered and stuff like that. So, it uh, it makes it it's a it's more of a job than some people think.
1: You know, oh, no. you're, you're, you're
0: rushing around and trying to, especially if you're doing both, because we're being you know our our friendly yeah, artists selves and then but then we're having to be entertainers too and have to run back and forth between those two roles so it's just a little more rushed if you're doing both at the same time do you find do you find stories
1: of uh, conventions making it in 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 your way to your routine on stage
0: some I mean you and you've heard my nerdy stuff before so I do mention some things about a couple of conventions (laughs) that have brought their way in but a lot of times I mean I find that people a lot of other comedians tend to take inspiration and uh, kind of make a a, make a little twist to stuff Mm -hmm. you know and with me like i'll give people um my perspective of how it happened but i don't usually like invent new stories for stuff you know so if something fun and crazy happens then i do tend to you know put it in but it's not it's not at every convention or anything okay so then what
1: is it how long does it take for you to that you feel that a piece of material is is worked out
0: um, it actually doesn't take me as long. For me, it's more coordinating where I fit it in. Because okay. I have some really funny things that I've tried out, like in open mics and stuff, and they work. But I'm like, I don't know where it would seem seamless. That's the hardest part for me, is making it feel seamless when I'm performing it. So I can have it ready and be like, that's funny, but... Where does it flow through this? Does not flow, yeah. So th- that's usually what takes longer, is maybe I'll, I'll just kind of like slide it in here and there at some smaller shows you know something where it's you know low-key not not like a big club or a big convention with a big audience or something just to kind of play with it a little bit and, and see if it'll work out and um but usually if I have a bit that I'm working on, if I write it and kind of generally have it worked out, I'll usually hit a couple of open mics a week for two or three weeks and I'll have, you know, a new five or ten minutes done. So it doesn't, doesn't take me months and months to do. Some people say, oh, it takes so long. I'm like, when you're first starting, it takes a while to get, really get your ideas, you know, flowing right. But I mean, after a few, after a few years, it's a lot easier to just be like, okay, here are the jokes, here are the ideas. Let me rearrange them every day and see what works best. And okay, good. And you know. And usually at open mics, is it is it is it a is it supposed to be a fight uh, like a tight five or ten minutes? Usually, like, it depends. Like with mine, I base it on how many people are there. So if I only have ten comedians there, I'm like, well, you know what? We try to run for at least two hours so everybody can do ten minutes. And that's why a lot of them come to buy because they know if they're lucky and it's an off night, not many people are there, they get. Plenty of extra time to practice. So usually I give seven or eight, sometimes ten. There was one time only four of us came. I was like, well, I think there's a dust storm coming. Nobody's here. Everybody can have a maximum of twenty minutes. They were like twenty minutes. I was like, well, you don't have to take twenty at all. But if you want extra practice time, hey, I already drove in it because my open mic was an hour from my house. I'm like, I already drove an hour to be here. Might as well. I don't have to leave right away. Go ahead, joke for twenty minutes. We'll see what you got. How, how much? How much uh, working out is in, in something like that? Then,
1: like like you're saying they don't need to take the all 20 minutes but like maybe they need to have some new material that they want to work through
0: absolutely and you know it's funny that there were a couple people that were coming regularly to my open mics when i was doing that when it was way out and not many people were coming and they got better really fast because they were getting so much time to relax and work out new ideas and it fit it in with old stuff because usually it is hey, You're, guys, here's I mean, five minutes we'll tell you when it's four then you gotta rush the last minute and get off stage boom 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 boom. and I find that like not rushing people and letting them relax and stuff they, they do get an opportunity to really develop more I mean these are these are people that are getting a lot of shows and opportunities now it's pretty yeah. awesome
1: so when you're switching between going, uh, you know, drawing and, and being on stage, like, is that a different mindset altogether, or is it just, you know, it's just all creative
0: energy just flowing? It is, you know, and I've I've noticed that the flow is different. So if I'm doing a lot of stand-up and a lot of planning and a lot of writing and making anything new or rewriting a set to fit with whatever. Um, if I put a lot of time into my comedy, I'm just, art is not even on my mind. It's not even on the back But then when I have like a little lull, you know, and a lot of comedians, if they have a lull where they aren't getting booked much and they're not getting out much, they're like, oh my God, what did I do wrong or whatever? And I'm like, oh good, I have three open weeks, so I'm going to paint a little bit. Because <laughs> you know? I can use that energy and I just, you know, kind of like reset my brain and relax a little bit. I can knock out some drawings. I did that one. That, I think that's more The Dude, Kevin Bacon. That is... Wow. So a lot of people have noticed that uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy, they mention Kevin Bacon all the time. Yeah, yeah. So I thought it'd be awesome to take a blank cover and make a custom <laughs> Kevin Bacon <laughs> cover for Guardians of the Galaxy. And it's part of my uh, my campaign that I, I have uh, started on Instagram and Facebook that I believe that a uh, good way to honor Stan Lee's legacy... Would be if Kevin Bacon was the new person that had a cameo in every movie. Oh man, I love it. So if they start that with the next, with the next Guardians, the next round or, of no, Marvel, next, movies. Just Marvel movies yeah. in general.
1: I was gonna say, you know, because at the end of Guardians two, they, you know, they they totally tease Adam. Maybe he would be the one that's inside the, the pod as Adam. But I like the that whole would be funny the, the, the Stanley cameo or Kevin Bacon cameo yeah, now. Because how many
0: times have they talked about it? Like three or four times. They're like. Kevin Bacon? <laughs> Is he still the greatest? He never was.
1: <laughs> As we were saying, uh, you know, switching between the two, it's 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 awesome for you because you have the thing to to, to to fall back on, or not fall back on, but like to put your mind on instead of you know if you hit a block somewhere, right? Yeah.
0: Um, I actually like it. I mean, yeah. if if I don't have any conventions coming soon. All right, let's load up on some comedy shows. And if I don't have a lot of comedy shows going on, all right. Well, you know what? I've got a few weeks free great. It's it's nice to have that time to draw because I want to have more time to draw, but I have to earn a normal lay of it living, you know, normal day job living. <laughs> Plus, you know, make headway in the other areas right. too. So I still have to get out there and do the comedy as much as I can. But if I have a little little dead period, I'm like, "Oh, good. I've been wanting to do three or four things. Boom boom done. There you go. You know, get it done before I get busy again because then I can't." <laughs>
1: So, uh, as, as we've had here at the, uh, the your booth a couple of times, you had uh, the 3D glasses. We talked about this yes. a little bit last time. What is it like
0: drawing in a 3D model like that or, or creating in that <laughs> When you first realize you can do it, it's very weird. Because uh, when I was like, oh, I wonder, and I started looking at the possibility, I couldn't find anybody else that does it. Mm-hmm. So, there's not a tutorial or anything. There's nobody out there like, look at me on YouTube. And... It, <laughs> Well, I hope literally you are no, on YouTube now saying that. Literally nobody else, though, is, like, showing you here's how you can paint in 3D and here's how the color spectrum works if you use... 3D glasses on your paintings and everything, so I had to work it out on my own. So now that I know what I'm doing, generally, I mean, there's still things where I have to tweak it and test it once in a while, but after the first few, they kind of looked 3D, and actually, there's one of them right here, that was one of the early attempts, and even after that, some of these, you know, so some of their faces had to be weird colors, because I didn't know how to make it more nuanced, but now that I've been doing it enough that I really have it down, I mean, I can draw... Stuff that looks a lot more natural, yeah, and it works in 3D, but you don't have to have somebody's. You know, I think you've seen my Wolverine with a green face, yeah, and, and Spider Girl with an orange face, because uh-huh. I'm like, well, I have to make it pop just right, so I have to make their face a weird color, so it just looks like modern art. But uh, but now you have it down, then yeah, it's more recognizable, but you know, also in your spin.
1: So, uh, what is, have you found something in particular that you you like to to draw?
0: We that uh, style. So, well, the next big project if I have time for it is I'm going to be fully painting graphic novel based on one of my short stories. Wow. And I started laying it out and I had to scrap it all because I realized, because I know what it's going to look like in my head, I know how it works in 3D.
1: And
0: basically what I'm having half- Uh, Have you seen the Alex Ross Treasury Editions, the big, big painted ones? Yes, yes. So you know how they read a little different than a comic book, where it's got more text, and it reads storybook style. It doesn't have word balloons and stuff all over it, and it'll have some panels, but it's got some big splash pages. It's going to have to be closer to that. So I'll have, like, a large background or a big splash page or something. And then I am going to have to have monochromatic panels. So, because if each panel is in 3D, then your eye is going to just be, ah, what's going on here? But if I have a main panel covering most of the page in 3D, and then each individual panel is monochromatic, so it'll be, like, one will be all in blues, one will be all in reds, one will be all in purples, and I'll just know where to lay them. So that they'll kind of be... Some will be a little further forward or backwards or whatever, and it'll make sense. Even describing that to (laughs) anyone probably takes more imagination from everybody than you you would expect. Yes, I mean... Now now try putting it on your side. Because I'm the only one doing this, and then I'm having to basically invent. Every time I do something new with it, I have to invent how to make it work. So now I'm having to invent how am I going to paint this and make it a realistic story visually that doesn't look because insane. and luckily man. luckily I grew up on David Mack and you know, if you compared what I do, maybe not the three D level, but if you compared just my you know mixed media and my background with the BFA and everything to anybody, it would probably be David Mack mm-hmm. in terms of who I you know who I would be closest to in terms of you know general style and, and use of different media and everything. And so I have, when you look at all of his old kabuki, not the first one that was all black and white, but when he started doing the painted stuff and the mixed media, that was right when I was doing my BFA. I was like, oh, we could get crazy with this. So now I think back to that, and I'm like, oh, well, if I do a whole page in purple, who cares? You know? Exactly. It doesn't matter, because he's done it. He proved to us that you can do it. So now that he's done it, I'm like, oh, well, I don't have to do what everybody else does. (laughs) So... I know generally how I want to do it now but I'm just going to it's going to be a huge undertaking. So when the board game is done and when I have a little lull then I can, you know, hopefully have enough money and time that I can take a little time off and at least get it laid out and start working on it. Maybe do a Kickstarter. If it's uh, if I have the first few pages and they're really pretty and people like them, then that might be make it so I can afford some more time off to do that. But yeah, it's, I'm I'm only going to do crazy things from here on, I think. I just, I'm not going to do anything normal. Only, just go only on the, the most I, I almost said some a word that uh, but bat crazy that crazy uh, <laughs> I think we got it yeah you get the idea uh, when,
1: when you get that um, kickstarter going we'd love to pass it along for you yeah definitely if it was
0: anytime soon <laughs> fingers crossed but again, I do have the gourd game to finish and you know there are there, and when people pay me. Because the other you know the stuff, stuff of my priority. own, yeah. I'll get paid later after I publish it, it if somebody likes it or if people pay for a Kickstarter because as opposed to everything else where they actually go, hey, we want to hire you or we want to commission you or we want to team up with you and... Here's some money. I say, okay, you got priority. You have the money. <laughs> exactly. Where can people find you online? So if you want to find me on Instagram and Twitter, it's at kideverandever, Ever. all one long, weird-looking word. And on Facebook is kideverart. Well, kideverandever Ever is my profile page, if you want to find and stalk that. But, you know, kideverart is my business page. And that one actually has a button you can go to my Etsy so you can find and order all my stuff and I can ship it to you.
1: This is Mitch down on the convention floor of Yumicon 2019. Saying always remember to geek geek out. out.
0: This concludes our broadcast.